All right, well, I want to get into the message today. And uh, we've been on a, a series, Operation Red, uh, Reviving Eternal Disciplines. It's a remake of one four years ago. And <clears throat> I did use the same title again. This one is Love Yo, Love Yo Haters. Y-O, Love Yo Haters. And, <clears throat> you know, it's been, it, it was interesting because uh, I knew this one was next. The, the very last one's next Sunday. Uh, and it's on worrying, not worrying. But. This week, uh, I, I had some interesting interactions, and we'll get into that in a minute. But if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. Matthew 5. I feel like I'm breathing heavy in this thing. I'm trying not to. Matthew 5, 38 through 48. All right. You've heard that the law of Moses says, if an eye is injured, injured the eye of the person who did it. Yeah. Right? If a tooth gets knocked out, knock out the tooth of the person who did it. Woohoo! This is as good as Friday night fights, right? Verse 39, but I say, don't resist an evil person. If you are slapped on the right cheek, turn the other one too. If you are ordered to court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard that the law of Moses says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and to the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that's what I want to really hone in on today was talking about how are you different from others? Look, I'm calling us out to be radically different than the world. I'm asking you on behalf of, of, of Scripture and of God's Word and of His character nature for us as New Song, not in competition with any other church or to be better than the church, but, but between us and the Heavenly Father to be radically different than the world. Especially in this day and time, I, I'm, I'm a believer that the world is looking for something different. They're searching, and what they're doing is they are filling the void when they cannot find something that, that is fulfilling, that is different in their lives. They're filling it with the things that harm them. Satan's readily available with, with things that will harm them. And if they would encounter a true uh, man or woman of God full of the Holy Spirit who is standing out radically different in the world, I believe that the interest, the Holy Spirit conviction, will create an interest they won't be able to deny. It will draw them. As I work through these passages this week, I admit they're pretty hard to swallow because um, I, I do find comfort. Like I said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. We find comfort in, in, in ways we don't realize we're, we're wanting to exact revenge. There's just something in our nature that desires to take revenge on those who mistreat us or misrepresent us. 
especially, you know, in, in romantic relationships or a, a broken marriage where the other person seems to move on and there's another person there, right? And they've hurt you and you haven't even got your resolve from that. You don't feel like you've been vindicated from the hurt and then they seem to be happy and moving on and like, like they didn't, they are not hurting at all and you're taking all the hurt and you just want so badly for that other person to hurt them like they hurt you. Wouldn't it just be sweet revenge like honey on a, on a nice bread roll with a, with a little bit of butter mixed in. Can't do that in second service because then I can't go over people and start getting hungry. But I ask the Lord to examine my heart and see if there's any seeds of bitterness or anger that might prevent me from loving people for who they are and how he created them. It's a real thing. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I took up arms for my dad in my heart when I felt like people in the church mistreated him or, or over-expected too much of him or put all these things on him. And so I had bitterness towards church people for a long time. And it didn't matter. If you went to church, you might be smiling, but I'm just suspecting there's something brewing. There's a storm in you just brewing, ready to eat your pastor and spit him out, right? So I, I, had, a, I had a thing. And if I, I remember sitting in a back row at Roger's First Assembly during a business meeting and, to, and a, a sweet elderly couple, who I believe be sweet, sitting back there. And the new pastor after my dad was explaining, he said, now, here's what the salaries are in the church. There's only three people, right? There's a youth pastor, pastor, and secretary. And he said, I've combined them all, not to hide anything, but I just didn't feel like for our secretary and the others, you know, I didn't want to just put that out there. If you feel you need to know what each of us make, see me after service, I'll, t I'll, I'll be glad, or sell, see me after the meeting, I'll be glad to tell you. And right in front of me, here I am, the former pastor's son. Older man turns to me and says, I think we ought to hear it right here now. Like as if he was hiding something. And I tell you, I had this reaction I'd never had before towards any elderly person in our church because I've been taught to be respectful. But my hand almost left the seat and slapped both of them back the, across the back of the head. And it would have been done, you know. I would have been done. I would never strike an older person. But it was a, it was a, whoop, it was almost like there needs to be correction here because that spirit needs to get out of this church. You know, whack. I'm just confessing to you, it was real. Hadn't had that again. But it, you know, towards an elderly person, have not had that again. But I want to be honest this morning. But I've, I've watched the good, the bad, and ugly in church. And listen, I don't know why we think we have some ticket with our mouth to just tear people up and then say, I love Jesus. And it just boils my blood. It boils my blood. I, I just want to get in people's face and say, what right do you have? You step outside these doors and do that in public, you know you're going to get a fist in your face. If you say it to somebody bigger than you, you know what's coming to you. Why would you think as a lover of Jesus you can come in here and throw your weight around with your mouth and just tear people up? Who do you think you are? You haven't paid my bills. You haven't raised my kids. You haven't, you see where I'm going? Boy, it comes easy. I can, I can, get, I can ramp it up more. You guys don't know, but I, I can tear somebody in half with my words. God has given me a gift to be able to, to grow and to speak hopefully better and better. And with those gifts, remember I've told you about God's gifts? They're perfect. They have a self-destruct mode in it. If you use it against God, it tears you apart. The rock star, the movie star, those who have been given a talent, when they use it for Satan to promote Satan's works, it tears them apart. But it feels good. Just then, even though I was mocking up something that went through, I, I, I had to stop because I started feeling some of that 
feeling good to kind of just let it out in church. I'm bad at church, people. I'm mad at the bad attitudes and saying you love Jesus, saying you follow the word, and then acting like a fool. Anybody ever seen that YouTube video of the, it's a, it's a, just a, a parody, but a, a priest, I think he's a priest, or he's in a robe, he gets up, and it's, it's the honest preacher, and he gets up there and says, thus saith the Lord, Simon says, guys, why are you acting like you're acting? <laughs> he goes, I took an oath not to point anybody out and say who's worst, but Tom, you're the worst. Every Monday you come into my office and you're like, whoops. And I'm like, you're making me look bad in front of God. And he just has a meltdown, right? Um, I love that video. <laughs> there's there's a, a lot of funniness and a little bit of truth in that. But I don't want to come to the end of my life and realize that I spent it defining myself as what I'm against, not who I'm for. I've had to separate myself from close relationships in the church sometimes for, uh, from people who, who just are focused on tearing things down and being negative. And then I found myself where I've been that way and I've kind of had the expectation probably some of my more positive friends probably need to get away from me for a while to re- remain their positiveness, right? God's purpose for my life is bigger than all this. God's purpose for your life is bigger than all that you focus on. Hey, you know, when Andrew preached Wednesday night, I called him and I said, man, you know, I know he came to me. Andrew, can I share a little bit of what you said? Is okay. He, you know, Andrew said, I'm not sure I'm really called to preach. I said, you'll find out pretty soon. No pressure. No. I told him, I said, don't hinge it on, your, on the first time you preach because there's a lot of factors in that. There's, there's finally standing up there and realizing I got to bring the word and people looking at you and somehow they, they don't mean to, but they're looking at you kind of like... Huh? And you're thinking, I'm not coming clear. You know, so you can't gauge your, your, what you're saying off of people's faces because you never know what's going on here. But, but I, said, I, said, I told Andrew, I said, Andrew, I could, there's something about when you spoke that I, I said, I would really pray and, and seek God a little more about that because I think um, that, that as you go, that God may have uh, given you a gift that you're not realizing. So um, I encourage him. But, but our purpose is bigger than what we see around us. It's like, Andrew, you know, the job you have now and the mowing and all that. There's, there's, there's honor and there's integrity and there's um, valor in providing for your family in any way God leads you. And there's lay people in the church and there is, um, there is nothing less about that than being in full-time ministry. However, if you have a call to full-time ministry, you'll never be satisfied doing what you're doing. That's what Papa told me and that's what, that's what my uncles told me and I found it to be true. While Walmart was good to me, and I did good, and I could have climbed the ladder, I was getting favor, God's favor, but inside, I knew that there was a greater purpose than what I was doing. And the next guy, Christian guy, that took my spot, his greater purpose is to step into that spot at Walmart and to lead as a Christian example. And so he found his place, and I found mine. When we think of those who have hurt us physically, emotionally, sexually maybe, often our first thought is to find a way to get revenge. For, for some, the revenge comes in the form of self-destructive behavior like drinking or drugs or, or destructive relationships. And that's why I always say it's not important for you to really hammer on someone about giving up the drugs and the drinking and all. It's more important for you to find out where the hurt is in their heart that's leading them to fill that spot. 
It's more important for you to let the Holy Spirit illuminate that and to bring healing there because then the desire for those other things, can God can take that away immediately. But I believe one reason we don't see people immediately delivered from a lot of drugs and alcohol is because we're thinking that's the issue. And so we just want to see them quit doing that that's outward. It seems, it seems destructive. But what the real problem is, we need to find out, maybe, maybe we don't need to find out, but we need them to get to a point where the Holy Spirit exposed to them that it's because dad hurt you. Or maybe it's because your dad that you didn't even know, you know is, is not doing what he should do in life and maybe he's terrible. And you think that somehow by genetics, even though you didn't know him, that you're just destined to be that way too. And that's a lie from the devil. Because God has created you to be his child. When we get to heaven, there's not even a dad and mom and male and female. So that's not your identity. You're thankful for godly parents who lead and guide you, but your identity is not your DNA from your parents. Your identity is who God has created you to be. And so, so when we're hurt by others, when we're, we're disappointed, when we're, when we're terrified or terrorized or all those things, it's easy for us to slip into this hate or destructive behavior. But what does the scripture teach us about revenge? What, what does Jesus teach us about treatment of those who perceive us as an enemy? When we consider Matthew 5, 38 through 48, we have to go, have to do so in light of Matthew 5, 33 through 37, where Jesus teaches us that we should be people of integrity and honesty of our word. Let our yes mean yes and our no mean no, like we sang today. All God's promises are yes and amen, and we are to pattern ourselves after him. So when we say, I promise you I am following Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then we need to be of honor and integrity and say, Look, I have to make a choice here. If I follow revenge, if I follow my hate, then I, I'm making a choice to turn away from the things of God. I'm, I'm, making a, I'm making a choice to turn on my promises. Sometimes this happens, and because we, are some, because we do not keep our word, our integrity, other people get hurt. And so we perpetuate the hurt. The hurt that you've been, been done to you, this is what I've taught my boys. If someone's not nice to you, what you need to realize in that moment is not you against them. The question you should be asking is, who's hurting them? Because if they're treating you badly, then that means at school they, or whatever it is, then someone's treating them badly, and they're trying to delve it back down to you because they feel bad about themselves. Maybe there's another cool kid at school that they're not cool enough to be in, and they're angry that they can't fit in with them. So, so when they get around you, they need to make themselves a cool kid to push you down. And so I've told them, I said, you need to have compassion in those moments and realize it's not about you against them. It's about you against the enemy, against the devil, that pray for your enemies. Pray for them because they're being tormented by somebody else, because they feel less about themselves, because they feel horrible about themselves. Maybe they're miserable because of these things going on, and you should have compassion. That person hurt me, so I have to find a way to hurt them back is what's natural. Obvious some, obviously, some religious leaders were teaching that it was okay to take revenge. That's, that's where we've been on this Operation Red, is we know, you should know by now, that when we talk about this, it's because we're combating what Jesus was combating, is that in the religious circles, some people are teaching it's okay to take revenge. I don't think it's much different than it is right now with social media and the left and the right debate. 
the conservative and the liberal debate. I think there's a lot of Christians that don't realize they've slipped into this very thing that Jesus is trying to combat and they feel like they can take vigilante justice with their words and their actions towards an opposing view. I'll just cut them in half with my words. I'll find a meme. I'll find the perfect meme for Facebook that says exactly what needs to smack them in the face. I'm going to put it out there and boy, all of them are going to be sorry. Keyboard warriors, right? I have this little video on Facebook my former former Navy SEAL that he puts on, and it's got a it's kind of done in the uh, spirit of a comic book thing. And he's uh, he's going through doing exercises and training and all, but he's he's speaking into you. He's doing that, and and his whole thing is embrace fear. Now he's not saying that you should want to be fearful. He's saying embrace the fact that you're gonna you're gonna face fear, and, and his his thing is just deal with it because it's coming, right? And and don't bow, don't let the fear impact you. Uh, but but he he talks about don't listen to all these naysayers, right? Go out and find real intel, actual intel, not Facebook, Twitter, all this stuff. If that's where you're getting your wisdom and your your knowledge from people's smart memes, then listen, you are going backwards in your intellect. Go to the Word of God. Go go to the sources of uh, of uh, anointed book writers, Christian book writers, and, and find what, what your soul needs. But, but these religious leaders, they're teaching that it was okay to take revenge, to deliver justice against someone who may have caused harm. We also read these, the passage in the light of the historical setting this time because you've got to keep in mind that the Romans are in control of Palestine. Now listen, if we walked out this door today and we walk out there and I don't know what country to pick on. Let's go back in the Cold War. There's a Russian soldier standing out here beside the door making sure that we're exiting when we're supposed to and we're coming in when we're supposed to and that we're, not, and that we're paying our ta ta taxes, right? No, you can't just do TurboTax anymore. He's going to have his hand out. And you don't know how much is really making it in your credit or how much is going in his pocket. You might be in trouble anyway. But you've got all this kind of corruption and this stuff going on, this uh, control, right? And, and these Roman soldiers are over you. So if they say, you know, hey, my backpack's getting heavy. Hey, Jew, carry this for a while. That's the kind of, uh, the kind of environment that they're in. So Jerusalem's being governed by a Roman uh, Roman pagan nation who does not believe in the God of Juda uh, Judaism. So they're, they're even, it's not even comfortable to worship your God in that environment because they don't even believe in that. Roman soldiers are not known for their kindness and generosity towards the people. I, I mean, why would we even assume that they had any kindness towards the Jewish people when their whole goal is to go and overthrow as many nations as they can? These soldiers are trained to conquer and kill in the name of their, of their leader. When someone in this audience hears what Jesus says, he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye. I imagine someone like, yeah, buddy, here it comes. Maybe he is the Messiah. Get your swords ready. He, he's getting ready to give a war chant. We're getting ready to come up and we're going to do some evil things to these soldiers here. We're going to bring some justice. They hear Jesus teaching after Roman soldiers have forced them to do something they didn't want to do. Nevertheless, Jesus is attempting to rectify a long history of wrong interpretation of the scriptures by these religious leaders of this day. 
So if we look again at Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 39, this time I'll read from a different translation. It says, You've heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. The scriptures do tell us in Exodus 21, 24, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. However, one has to read all the surrounding writings about how the eye and the tooth are to be taken. The context of Exodus 21 is about civil government. And the best way I can sum this up because of time is to say this. Look, there is a difference between our country going and bringing justice to another country where people die, but in the name of justice. And we've got to be very careful as Christians that we don't try to vilify that and say that God is not for that because we can see the character and nature of God all through the Old Testament was a God who would take his nation and would go and exact justice on on pagan nations. God intended for the civil authorities to be established who would handle issues of punishment for those who broke the law. See, it's just like the New Testament church. God has faith in his design of people that if we assemble with his word in our hearts, that we will come to something that is just. Remember when there used to not be kings for the, for the Israelites, but they wanted kings, they had judges, and, and, and basically it was said, isn't there anyone righteous among you who can judge these things? Why are you going to the courts? Why are you going to the pagan courts? Now, the idea is that when we come together in unity with God leading our hearts, then there needs to be justice in some situations. Child trafficking. The church should rise. We, we actually have a, a missionary in the Assemblies of God who goes in with law enforcement and helps rescue teen girls from, from uh, child trafficking in other countries. And I'm all for that. I'm friends with someone who is very close with the machine gun preacher they made the, they made the movie about. He was a former outlaw biker. And, he, and uh, he would go with a machine gun in hand and rescue these child soldiers in other countries. And so there, there is some, but vigilante justice, where I'm going to take it upon myself in my own idea of right without the consultation of the body, without the, the, the moving of the body to do so, is wrong. And that's why we know in church discipline we're taught that if you have a problem with someone, you should go in private first and see if you can gain a brother or sister back. And, and if they're in sin, it's obviously in sin, and they're not turning, then you should take another family or church member with you. Why is that? Because accountability. Now, maybe this person will hear, hey, actually, I think you're the one that's wrong. Or vice versa, they'll say, you know, you, this person's right, you need to turn. And then it says, if not, eventually you bring them for a whole body. It's the whole body that's involved in discipline. When it comes to the extreme of someone being, being uh, excommunicated, if you will, from the body, there's even purpose in that. that. That if it comes to that point, that the whole body is in agreement, we are having to put this person outside of the body so that what? That they may finally be so desperate they want to come back and be reconciled between the Lord and them and the people. So, so when we act as vigilantes, when we get anger and angry and we act on that anger in revenge, we are circumventing God's plan for the New Testament church to bring healing, restoration, and, and accountability in the body. We, we can't take on vigilante justice in our walk with the Lord and expect ourselves to align with him and draw closer to Christ and be more like Christ. In Jesus' day, the teaching had moved from being one about civil authority to personal authority, where people had, uh, who had been wronged took matters into their own hands. Kind of like the Wild West. 
I remember hearing someone talk about a family member way back in the Wild West who was a preacher that he would come into the pulpit and the first thing he'd do is pull out his six guns and lay them on the pulpit like this before he opened the Bible and preached. Now that would, that would change the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the place, wouldn't it? <laughs> when you give an altar call, you just might be more apt to go down and respond. Verse 39 says, But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. So Jesus tells those in the audience not to resist this evil person. As a matter of fact, Jesus goes on to say, listen, to the point that I could be punched in the face and it might make me mad, but all that does is said, okay, game on. Slapped in the face is almost like a little more degrading. Okay, I shouldn't bring up movies. Anybody watch Tombstone, the old Tombstone? Okay, I love that movie. I, I apologize if I shouldn't. I love that movie. One of my favorite scenes is he walks into the the tavern right and they've got this guy who's lawless that's in there slapping the customers around right and he's taking control of the place and they have no business because everybody's afraid of him right and then white herb which he doesn't know it's white herb walks in and he picks him up and he slaps him back and the guy looks at him like he's gonna do something come on jerk that smoke wagon you know you guys just stand there and bleed right am i doing doing a little bit of justice yeah so anyway you know, those things, we watch those things, everybody's like, oh, but that was kind of cool that you tried, I guess. So anyway, but you, we watch these things, especially as men. We watch those things, we're like, yeah, that's what I want Jesus to help me to be, is that guy walks in and just brings justice place. I want to be the guy that goes in the temple and kicks over the tables and cracks the whips. But you have to look at the context of that one time we see Jesus take physical action. And he gets angry and he takes physical action, but it's not out of sin because Jesus didn't sin. It's, it's out of justice because Jesus doesn't need the body to come together with him to bring the justice. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the one that the justice is all for. But the whole body of believers, if they decide it was rightful, could have gone in and cracked the whip, kicked the tables over, and been like Jesus and drove the money changers out. They could have done that. Does this mean if someone punches me in the eye, I should just give them pointers on how to punch me in the other one? Hey, look, you know, that was kind of like a Nancy punch. No offense. I used Nancy before I knew you to the boys when I'm wanting to kind of, you know, call them a girl. <laughs> I was like, come on, Nancy. All right, I'll change it. Change it to Belinda. No. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you won't, you won't want to get hit in the eye you want to get hit by and then turn around and say, you know, really, I could tell you how to hit. I mean, you, you kind of hit me over here and grazed. You really need to sock the eye socket really good. Just you need to get your knuckles in there. You're not going to do that. Who, who would do that? If somebody does that, you should probably run since you hit them and they're telling you that. First off, Jesus is using what is called common expression of the day that described the act of someone hurting, hurling insults at another person. So, so to them, this analogy would have sounded more like this in our day and time. Ooh, good burn, man. You really slammed them. What a slam. Oh, you really cut them down. This is, what they're, this is what they're thinking. And so Jesus is not telling us to defend ourselves against an attack. Obviously, he is not also saying that we should attack others, but he's telling us that when people insult us, Handle it with patience and civility. Handle it with compassion. Think about the insults against Jesus even before the cross. He was called the son of the devil. 
a drunk. People talked about him as the illegitimate son of Mary, and some even called him a madman. At the cross, even more insults were poured out on him, but he prayed for those who insulted him. He prayed for them. And ultimately paid the ultimate sacrifice for those very same people. Now look at the examples Jesus gives us for turning the other cheek. Verse 40, And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. You know, somebody wants to sue me for something, I'm wanting to get an attorney to defend myself. I'm not saying that's wrong either, but I'm not saying Jesus is saying that wrong. But what, what the principle he's teaching here is, don't be so quick to defend yourself because God is the one who defends us. Be quick to turn the other cheek, to offer compassion. Don't be quick to defend yourself even in a lawsuit that, you know, look, maybe you need to realize maybe they had reason for it. You know, I was too cheap to buy the next step up of insurance policy. And this person's been damaged by my negligence in the car wreck. And my insurance by contract says this is how much we'll pay and it won't pay more. Maybe I need to figure out something to be able to, to rectify this with that person. You know, that's radical. In our day and time, I worked at Walmart corporate office handling all, handling all kinds of claims. I even was made to make training manuals for handling claims. I understand the insurance world and, and being made whole from that. And listen, right now in our culture, it's like, J.G. Wentworth, it's my money. I want it now, right? You know, get your settlement. Get your money. It doesn't matter whether you deserved all that. Man, maybe that would be a million-dollar lawsuit, Right? It's a culture we live in. Is, is a, boy, if I could just get hit bad enough in a car not to kill me, but to get a windfall. How many of us have actually had those thoughts and we, we kind of entertain it, goof, you know, joking around, but truth is, it's wrong. It's wrong to think that way. We should more be thinking about, let's just hope that everybody stays whole in this situation. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And some of you probably heard that this was specific to, to a rule that had that a Roman soldier could force someone to carry their, their, their stuff, but up to a certain amount. They, they didn't want them abusing the people too far to where uh, you cause revolt. But Jesus saying, okay, here's the rules. This occupying country that you despise, these Roman soldiers who have bad attitudes, who are killers, you, you despise them, I get that. And, and you're chosen people, so you're thinking we have a right to kill them, right? But Jesus is saying when they come up and say, hey, you're, you have to carry my pack by law for a mile. But he's like, carry it too. Take it all the way to their house. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I'm just like anyone else. I, I see people out panhandling and I'm like, Oh, man, I want to know the story. Are you one of those people that live in a nice house and you're doing this for a living, making everybody think something because that happens, right? And they're making more money than some of us. But, or are you someone who you could work and you don't want to? And we get all those thoughts in our minds, right? And, and, and I, I despise that you're there staring me in the eye while I'm trying to eat my Big Mac, you know, and enjoy my little bit of meal. I don't have money for more Big Macs and you're making me feel bad eating my... And uh, so... So we, we're, we're about out of time, but I think it's worth telling you this, what happened. So I, I said that I'm trying not to blame things on my sickness, but it's been really hard to control emotion and just lately. It might be tiredness from the project, it might be, but I have talked to other people with sickness, and, and it's, it's difficult. So I'm being really careful about interaction, because I can just 
just feel really aggravated really quick. And I'm at Lowe's, which I go there at least two or three times a day for the last year, right? And I get to where I really don't like it because it's always uh, hours of my day I can never get back. And I walk into the pro services area, and it's very typical. You could walk up there, nobody else there, and they got their heads buried. They kind of look up, and you're standing there for a while. And I'm always, you know, hey, I'm the pastor, new song, love you, God bless you. You know what I mean? When I talk to them, I'm at, trying to make myself pretend like that doesn't bother me. I don't want to really say. Well, I go in one day, I'm not feeling good, no excuses, not feeling good. And I'm standing there, standing there, I'm looking, it's like been seven minutes at least. And two people, I'm just like, oh. So finally, I pick up my stuff, I'm going to the register. I don't care, because they give us a discount, a bigger discount, because of all the stuff we're buying, so that's why I wait on them. But I'm going to the register, I'm like, I don't care, we're just paying the regular price. And one of us says, oh, hey, CJ, were you needing something? And I turn around and said, yeah, I was needing some customer service. You guys know by now, I'll admit, when I'm failing as your pastor, and I'm doing it now. I said, yeah. I said, I, don't, I worked in customer service a lot of my life. I don't understand this concept of coming in, and you peek up, and you know I'm there, and you're ignoring me. I, I did just like this. And I said, it's just, it's bad for your company. It's bad for your business, and I'd just like to be at least acknowledged, even if you don't have time to get to me for 10 minutes. And I mean, the other guy kind of popped up, and his eyebrows went down like he was about to defend her. And this lady that I deal with, I've dealt with her in my house. I've known her for some years now. And she said, we've got a bunch of stuff going on here, and we've got other stuff going on. And she's, you know, she ramps up. And I just stopped, and I said, oh, Terry, hold on. And she went on. She was like, I said, Terry, please, can you just, I need your forgiveness. It was exactly how it went down. I said, I need your forgiveness. I said, there's no excuse, but I'm not feeling good. I've got a lot of things going on. And I said, that is not like me. I don't know what just happened here, but I'm asking. And I got tears in my eyes. I said, I need you to forgive me. And she looked at me and said, said, you're my brother. She come around the counter and she grabbed my hands and she said, out loud, where a lot of people could hear, Jesus, I just pray over my brother right now that you would just bring healing to him and that you would just help him and give him strength and you'd bring him workers. And she prayed this and we both tearing up. And I went around that store. Everywhere I had to go that day, I told about how Terry had prayed for me. And I told the guy back in the plumbing apartment um, Marshall, which I found out he used to train ministers, and so we talked about the Lord. And I was running late on getting back to the project, but that was worth the, the wait. And I talked about the Lord with people around that day, and some receptive and some not. The next day I go in and Terry, or another day or so, I come back and Terry said, hey, I thought about you. There's this guy standing on the corner panhandling, and I went to give him money. He said, I'd really rather work for it if you got work for me. And she said, well, I can't just let you work it. I work at Lowe's, and I can't just let you do that. She said, man, I just thought about you. And so I pulled out in my truck and trailer, and I had some things in the floor. And, and I passed him. He's standing there with a sign. And I kind of went out, and I was like, no. And I pulled around McDonald's and went back. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I come in and, I, and I talked to him for a minute, and I said, hey, I don't, you know, how much do you want for per hour? And he told me, and he came and helped. And, you know, honestly, he didn't accomplish a lot that day. But I got to know Lonnie and, uh, you know, be able to probably find him again. He stayed at Salvation Army, and he was actually trying to make a little extra money that day to take his daughter to the Great Festival. And I said, well, you know, we gave him some money and said, um, you know, hope that will help. And I tell you that because, you know, in that moment at Lowe's, how that story could have ended was I walk away mad at them. They're, they're realizing I'm not their friend, that I'm actually putting on because 
when the tube of toothpaste was squeezed, something bad came out, and now they realize the package was just a package, but what was inside all the time was a mess. But the Holy Spirit took control and softened my heart. And instead of slapping back, I decided it's okay uh, if they want to slap back, but I got, I've got to do this way Jesus wants. And because of that, it made a connection with someone else who needed to know Jesus. And I talked to Lonnie about the Lord back and forth till he was probably tired of it, but I talked to him about the Lord. And listen, so every Sunday when I'm pouring my heart out to you, I'm telling you, I'm not standing up here as like, look at me as a shining example. I'm not. All I'm saying is, is if you will just do the radical, if you'll just in that moment when you want to be angry or when you want to get revenge, if you will just trust Jesus enough to be as radical as he was, like he's wanting us to, and just do something totally out of character for you. I'm not talking about the getting angry part. (laughs) I'm talking about just trusting. Man, the, the testimonies that will feed your life and feed the life of others. And those testimonies were meant, re- represent people who are going to bed that night thinking about that day they encountered somebody who was showing Jesus. And, and, and Terry at Lowe's knows that now there's another brother in Christ who's not afraid to stop in the middle of the devil trying to get a hold and say, look, we can't let this happen. I didn't know she was a believer, honestly. It was that split moment when I said, Terry, I, I, I said it exactly that. I said, please, I really need your forgiveness. I hope you'll forgive me. I'm just hoping you'll forgive me. I was begging. I was in my heart of hearts begging her. And if she wasn't a believer, she wouldn't have understood that. But she was. And she just dropped what she did. And it turned from us both being angry. She came around. And we prayed together. Man, I want to walk through and see these things on some... This is what I want to see. I want to walk into a restaurant... And I want to see Jen being the person that doesn't know us, right? And I want to see two hats bowed, holding hands with someone praying. I want to walk into Lowe's and I want to see other people praying. I want us, we can't do anything about what the other churches are doing other than encourage them to follow suit with the word. But we can step in a culture where now it's very common if you disagree, just fight. But we can be radically different, Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you are stirring and moving, Lord, every day in our lives. And God, if we will take a breath, if we will open our spiritual eyes and and see, God, you have such a desire to interact with us in such a real way, we'll never deny it. We can get angry and try to turn from you, but you cannot deny the truth of the fact that there's a living God interacting with us because these things that happen cannot be explained away by an atheist by happenstance or by uh, natural selection or anything like that but God there is a spiritual world a spiritual war and God when our spirits are open to that and we realize that we are fighting and warring not against flesh and blood but of powers and principalities the Lord I pray it fires us up not with anger at anyone else but the enemy but God it actually stirs up compassion for those If they're treating me badly, then who is treating them badly? Oh, my heart breaks for that person. As as, as nasty as their attitude is, that means who hurt them like that? Who? Jesus, how did the enemy get in there and hurt this, this person you intend to be your child? God, how can I rescue? Lord, help me. Give me the lifeline. How do I rescue them? 
Oh, Lord, how do I pull this person from, from the pits of hell? Lord, how do I keep them from being separated from you for all eternity? God, when we're raptured, we're caught up. Lord, how do I make sure that they're beside me? Jesus, drive us. Drive us, Lord. Drive us to compassion and drive us to a radical way of living. Just for a moment, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to ask for any response in any particular way. I'm just going to ask you, respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to your heart now. If it's a conversation, if it's raise your hands, it's standing, whatever it is, just right now, right now, just respond. Respond to the way the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart. If it's to ask for forgiveness and then go and find someone or call them after service and mend a relationship, then do it. If it's someone that is treating you horribly, to call them and say, look, I love you anyway, and I want to I wanna bring restoration in the relationship. sing this together. Share that grace and peace with all that you come in contact with. I love you. I truly love you. And I can't wait to see you again. All right, have a blessed Sunday.